we're gonna have our reading now before hearing from the Reverend Paddy Donovan. Uh, so today, if you wanna follow along in your Bibles, you can be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter one, verses 18 to 25. Um, and so we're starting at verse 18. Oh, and it's on screen for you to read along with too. Amazing. For the message of the cross is, fool is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and the foolishness of Gentiles. But those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> so following on from last week, where we're up at Chank Ring and looking at the miraculous of what God does and how he multiplies life every time, I'm going to, um, yeah, it's my deepest pleasure to pass over to Paddy to share some wisdom and some truth around that passage to enrich our hearts and our minds today. So Father, we uh, thank you for Paddy. We thank you for everything that you're doing in his life. Father, make our hearts and our minds be uh, soft and humble to catch what you are saying through him today for us to continue to eat from your truth and to be nourished in the fullness of life. Amen. Over to you, Paddy. Well, good morning. Um, like I said, my name's Paddy. I'm one of the clergy here. I'm uh, the curate. Um, I'd normally say it's a pleasure to be with you. It's an honour to, to be sharing with you this morning. But obviously it's under bizarre circumstances that we're seemingly relegated to being back online. But um, hopefully you guys are making the most of it. Still in your pyjamas, curled up, comfy on the sofa with um, a good cup of coffee. We look forward to the day where we're able to open up the kitchens again at church and share coffee in person. Um, so this morning I kind of want to follow on a bit from what we were talking about last week. So I think many of us, we were up on Chanctuary Hill uh, and Jim was sharing from, from Luke chapter 9, this, this passage where Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish and he feeds, well I'd say feeding the 5,000 but Many people agree that with women and children, it's more like 12,000. And from that, we really see how Jesus multiplies life every time. Every time Jesus multiplies life. Now, throughout this COVID season, we, like many other churches, we've used the, the exilic literature of the Bible. Just a fancy way of saying when Israel were in exile in Babylon. Um, you've, we've used these texts to, to encourage and guide us through this season because now we must think about rebuilding as we return from exile. I know many of us, we've, we've tasted 
a bit of it as um, the last few weeks as church has increasingly opened up. But, but just like God's people in the Bible, they had to, to rebuild. So do we. We have to rebuild. But the wonderful thing is the Bible reveals how they rebuilt something that was better than before. So in many ways, we need to, to rebuild areas of our lives. Well, that's our relationships, our, our habits. We need to rebuild our church, our rhythms of worship. But, but what we are promised through scripture is that, the grum, that God promises to rebuild it better than before. I really have to say better by, by his standards, not ours. So this is why over the next couple of weeks, really going to look into this, this idea of how do we then prepare our tools for rebuilding? How do we sharpen them? How do we clean them up and get them ready as we rebuild, just as God's people did in scripture? So this morning, I want to talk more specifically about preparing our, our worldview. It's like we, we see this world through, through the lens of the gospel. And just like the reading from, from 1 Corinthians, we see that ultimately this worldview is a foolish one. Now, I've, I've always loved quotes. Uh, one quote that has really captivated me was seemingly attributed to Robert Kennedy. I don't know if this is actually true or not, but, but he said this. He said, some men see things as they are and say, why? I dream of things that never were and say, why not? Why not? I was reflecting recently on um, my time at university, uh, the first time around. I, I went to Goldsmiths College it's in South East London, and this is where I became a Christian, actually, probably right at the beginning of my second, second term of uni. And when I became a Christian there, I was welcomed into this community of, of well, it was the Christian Union, to say that, um, welcomed this community of, of young believers who were on fire for God. And they were pursuing God seemingly with all they had. But many of the, the outworkings of that, it's only later that I realized that that wasn't necessarily always normal. Um, but I just took it as normal because I didn't know anything different. So, so many of these, uh, my peers, they'd say, look, we're going we're gonna to gather for prayer. Like Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, we're going to gather at like 7.30 a.m. in the college um, cafeteria. Like every week we would book out the multi-faith prayer room in college and we'd worship and pray in there throughout the evening. Um, even one occasion my friend said, oh look, I think we should go and spend our Saturday afternoons and just uh, worship in the middle of Trafalgar Square and see what happens. Because ultimately I, re I recognise, maybe in hindsight, that we read the Gospels and we couldn't ignore the miraculous, transformative nature of God. We couldn't ignore the transformative nature of the kingdom. We couldn't help but dream of things that never were and say, why not now? Why not here? Now one, one example of this, seemingly mundane and trivial at the time, but but a girl within the Christian Union, she was, was lactose intolerant. So one of these occasions, we were up in the multi-faith prayer room at college, 
like the, the curtain was drawn, there were Muslim girls praying at the side of it. And, uh, and someone really got like, got the bit between their teeth about one girl in the Christian Union who was lactose intolerant. They really wanted to, to press in and pursue it. So much so that, that we prayed over her. Um, she promptly went home and ate copious amounts of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. She then reported back had no ill effects. And I share this because on surface value, it does seem like a trivial story. But the fruit of it for, for this person was this deep-rooted conviction and knowledge of God's love for them. It was a deep-rooted conviction and knowledge of, of God's hand of transformation, miraculously healing her over her life. And this changed the way she saw the world. I remember another occasion that we were, we were gathered in Trafalgar Square, a bunch of young, bright-eyed uni students worshipping God together. We do this regularly. We get some people just looking perplexed at us. Um, others, there'd be Christian families who were seemingly in central London for, for a day out, and they were encouraged by our presence. Sometimes we'd get Asian tourists who were either thinking we were buskers or um, they just wanted to take pictures of us. It was all very bizarre. But one occasion in particular, there was this, this young guy who, I'd say he stopped, um, but more like he, he lurked at a distance. And it was as if he was glued to the spot, like he didn't really want to be there, but he couldn't leave also. So one of my friends, he, he went over to him, he kind of explained that, hey, look, like we, we're just a bunch of Christians. We're here, we're, we just want to worship God in public. But why? He asked. So my friend, he, he shared the, the image of Jesus that, that the gospel paints, how God came in the flesh. He shared um, what Jesus was like, what he did, what impact he had on people's lives. He was here, this, this young guy, he said, oh, I want that, but I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not a good person, I'm a bad person. And so they shared about the cross, they shared about God's grace that washes us clean. And it's here that a few of us were able to, to pray with him. And this guy stood in the middle of, of Trafalgar Square and he, he wept. As in that encounter when we got to know him, we found out that he'd grown up in central London. He'd been surrounded and immersed in gang culture. And it was this moment where just a few young, foolish Christians from a university gathered around him, prayed, he wept, and seemingly at the top of his lungs he was screaming, I don't want to be a bad boy anymore. I don't want to be a bad boy anymore, with tears rolling down his face. Because he had encountered a God who revealed to him an alternative way of life. A way of life that, using Paul's language to the Corinthians, would say this is foolishness to some people, who'd be a stumbling block to other people. But Jesus multiplies life every time. I share these accounts not to, to try and reminisce on the past or to reveal how we were special. We weren't special. I reflect on it and merely say that, that we were young and foolish enough to actually read the gospel and think, why not now? 
why not here? And that's our, our constant invitation. It's let's be young and foolish enough to dream of things that never were and say, why not? So the Gospels in, in Scripture reveal who Jesus is. And they reveal what it means to, to follow him. Theologically, we might say this is, this is talking about topics of Christology and discipleship. It's just to say who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. But the two are intertwined. They're constantly feeding each other. I read recently where someone had written, one cannot embody authentic discipleship unless one perceives faithfully the nature of Jesus' person and work. Yet one cannot adequately comprehend Jesus' person and work apart from genuine discipleship. I was struck over the last couple of weeks when we read, when we read that, that passage in Luke chapter 9 of Jesus feeding the 5,000. The disciples, they come to Jesus, say these people need to be fed. And Jesus' response is, you give them something to eat. They dismay, they say, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes. And as the story unfolds, we realize that Jesus multiplies life every time. Jesus feeds up to 12,000 people with 12 baskets of leftovers. Ultimately led me to, to be reminded of this St. Augustine quote, in which he says, Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. I think that's so important for us to grasp within our faith, within our discipleship, within us as a church, recognizing that without God, we cannot. But without, without us, God will not. The foolishness of our discipleship to Jesus is when we read the Bible, we say, why not now? Why not here? The foolishness of our discipleship to Jesus here in Chanterbury is when we read our, our 2033 vision in front of the mirror and we still believe it's possible. We read and we, we capture the magnitude of that vision of transforming a community, a region and beyond. But as we look in the mirror, we also see the limitations of that person staring back at us and the foolishness of our discipleship to Jesus here in Chanctabri is we say, why not? Why not now? Why not here? When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. This section that we had, this, this reading that we had, concluded as Paul wrote, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. 
So let's reframe our worldview. Let us see this world through this gospel. Some men see things as they are and say, why? I dream of things that never were and say, why not? I know what man I want to be. I want to be the man that, that dreams of things that never were and say, why not? I want to embrace this, this foolish faith that reads the, the gospel and says, why not here? Why not now? And this is an invitation that we all have with God.